everybody and welcome to some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. As always, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Mr. Matthew Stogden. Hi. Wow, that was a that was a bold intro, Matt. Interseason content, and also I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like you could have done some quotes there, but you chose not to. I I, I respect that. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> And of course, also joining us, as always, is Tim Matum. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Tim made it into his film, damn it. <laughs> in, in a like, we're all kind of from London. I mean, I was born in Norwich, but my, both of my parents' families are from London, and you two are from London as well, right? So. Mm. Yes. In a way, there we're all go. from London, yeah. <laughs> even those who aren't. In, the, in, in that we're all, like, born in Africa, but British people were all born in London and then, like, spread <laughs> Yeah, we, we evolved from cockneys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why on that uh, evolution, you know, the picture of the kind of the man ascending from the eight. If you look at the picture before, you know, Homo sapien, the guy's uh, got a packet of jelly deals. There you go. He he has got his elbows out like his own. Have a banana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a cockney walk. Holy <laughs> queen and queen. <laughs> Well, in this episode, unfortunately, it's not a Cockney-themed episode as much as I'd like to do one. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to we'll have to do the best Cockney films <laughs> I'm sometime, sometime in the future. Mary Poppins, Bob, fuck off. Mary Poppins and Guy Ritchie movies exclusively, and we'll be, we'll be fine. <laughs> All right, but gentlemen, we're going to have to have words. I'm afraid. <laughs> finest accent, Dick Van Dyke, winner, oh. Sequelizers Award for finest accent. <laughs> Considering the uh, the nature of what we're about to talk about, you're giving me stress and agitated guys. So <laughs> well, we'll cheer, how about we cheer you up, Matt? Because in this episode, we're talking about feel good films. How about true? It, it, it's going to be a nice positive message because I know we often kind of stick with the negative stuff because we talk about so many shit films, and you know, it's nice to talk about some good stuff. Nice to talk about some positive stuff for once. It makes a big difference. You, you, even the most cynical, hardened of individuals needs a bit of a moment where you go, ah, I need to, I need to just feel something that isn't rage all the time. Um, feel, and that's where like we go and watch Son of the Mask. Especially coming off a season of prequels, uh, oh, we God. definitely need yeah. a little bit of positivity. We need a boost. We need a boost. We do. Um, it, it is an interesting definition, though, because much like all classification, we've mentioned this in the past, Classification at the end of the day is much like anything with marketing, etc. It's a way to sell you something. Um, it's like, oh, this is a comedy. It's like, ah, I like comedy because that's a word I know. Um, it's like, <laughs> but then you can put up two I different do enjoy comedies. Funny is, <laughs> they make me laugh. And then you say, what's a comedy film? Oh, it's a Kaufman movie, or alternatively, it's an Adam Sandler movie. Those mm. two comedies very different. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's all very subjective. So it's it's very difficult to say what is a broad generalizing statement for like say comedy or genre but now it's even more tricky when you talk about something like i mean a feel-good movie is kind of just a phrase maybe it's obviously in everyday life but it's a phrasing in general of a type of film it's, oh, it's a feel-good film you know that kind of i mean if you, usually if you're talking to someone what do you want to watch of a movie i don't know saying uh, kind of kind of a 
feel good movie. I want to find <laughs> it. Right. Again, what makes me feel good and what makes you feel good would be probably very, very different, possibly. So you, you had an example of this with your wife, yes. not to put you on the spot too much here, Matt, but <gasps> you watched the film Lady Macbeth, I believe, not too long ago. Because <laughs> uh, uh, your wife was like, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've, uh, whatever. I think she'd had like a rough day at work or whatever it was. Yes, was like, oh, yes, yeah, was. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just cheer up and let's watch a film together. It's like, that's a nice thing for a couple to do. We'll bond, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Oh, there's, there's trauma and rape and horrible, terrible things in this film. This is, Shooting this a horse is not in the a, face. This is, yeah, exactly. Horse death. That's exactly what you want in your fucking feel-good <laughs> movie. To, to give a bit of just a very brief uh, overview, uh, Lady Macbeth, 88% Rotten Tomatoes, critically acclaimed, really fucking good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that it's a good film. <laughs> I'm just disputing that it's a feel-good film. Yeah. Well, uh, well it's that episode where we're a bit down. We should watch something a bit, make us feel a bit better. I said, okay, you haven't seen Lady Macbeth yet, have you? It's got Florence Pugh in it, straight by um, William Aldroyd. And she said, what's oh, not yeah, to yeah. like? Yeah. She said, what's it about? I said, ah, the past. Because <laughs> <laughs> nothing it's, went wrong in the past, right, guys? Yeah. It's, it's a very Thomas Hardy-style book. And by, um, it's based on the book, obviously, and it's translated to, to a movie. But, uh, when I say Thomas Hardy, I doesn't mean I don't mean hello. Oh, no, 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 not, not Tom Hardy. <laughs> no, the author Thomas Hardy, very, very Dickensian, but the countryside basically. Everything's miserable as fuck, and it is grim, but it's really, really goddamn good. And I said, "Why are we watching this to feel better?" And I said, "Because I'm not her, and therefore I feel better. <laughs> My situation is I, it puts a perspective on things where I can go, yes, things are pretty meh and shitty in the world, and I'm a bit frustrated with certain bits and pieces, but I'm not her." And even then, things work out pretty well. Or not even her specifically, like the main character. Other characters in the movie. You know, yeah, things are pretty bad. But it's not, you know, um, 1800s England. And I'm married in a loveless marriage with this douchebag in the north. Ugh, brilliant. Um, so, yeah, perspective it is everything. And especially when if you, as we'll get on to today, try and tell someone your feel-good movie because almost mm. always when you do that it tends to be on the back of like a recommendation say oh what's a really good feel good movie? oh you should watch this now the general public are usually quite good at this without being incredibly insulting i'm about to insult them um <laughs> because they don't tend to absorb a lot of things and they tend to be at a very surface level oh i really like that film it had 10 million explosions Cool. What was the story about? I don't care. So I really like that film. He kissed the girl. Brilliant. But yeah, we're going to get into a bit more depth about films that make us feel good because we felt good watching at the time because yeah. of who we were with or what we were doing, or alternatively because it was manufactured to make people feel good. Mm. Yeah, there's there's kind of a whole. Uh realm of definitions here whether you mm. go with something that you have really good associations with perhaps because of like the situation you were in when you were watching it is it something that no matter what mood you're in it will make you literally feel good like you you will <laughs> feel better for having watched it yeah is it something that is like does a film have to be deliberately built to evoke positive emotions in order to be classified as a feel-good film for example you know a kind of an extreme example but lady macbeth you know you, <laughs> you ended up feeling better but i doubt the filmmakers went into this going like yeah we got the feel-good hit of the summer here <laughs> i'm imagining the can we recut that trailer with like the feel-good hit of the summer 
you want to see a horse get shot in the face. It's like walking on sunshine, playing underneath it. Um, She's yeah. like lowly, like lonely traveling through the moors as dust. There's yes. like horse corpse yeah. to her left. And, <laughs> I'm walking on sunshine. Again, because ah. the recut trailers, you could do that quite easily. There's moments where she like, poisons her father-in-law because he's a monstrous prick but the way she Pretty does it is quite, makes sense yeah yeah and florence pugh's direction or sorry um acting is very very amusing in the way she does it because she's almost like having this tea and she asks the the servant to take a seat no sit down i don't want to eat alone and it's like you know it sounds like a slapstick comedy is happening in the other room you could cut it so easily like um <laughs> uh was the recent one the the personal history of uh, David Copperfield kind of thing and you think oh this is very mm. silly and or more accurately The Favourite which was cut like that in the trailers and I went this isn't what I thought it was it's not it's not it's not a fun thing it's different it's like yes embrace the different you pricks <laughs> well there's I, I mean from a going back probably about 10-15 years in, in internet history there was that version mm. of The Shining the trailer for it where it was recut yes. to look like a kind of family yes. comedy about you know uh uh, getting frustrated because yeah. he's, he's just just trying to write a book yeah and sort of uh <laughs> learning to be a better dad kind of thing um, yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah and i think i think there's a certain amount of kind of wisdom of crowds like you say where the if if you were to make a try and make a list of feel-good movies you would aim to please as many people as possible so you would you would mm. pick films that are designed to make you feel good and probably had that intended reaction with most people mm. but obviously when it gets down to picking your own actual individual feel-good movies there's there's a whole realm of mm. factors to consider i'm also going to make a very very bold statement which is going to be horrible um oh good just what you're, we want for feel-good movies hey, Fucking, again you're after a swing and start here man. i Jesus really am Christ. don't worry I'll, I'll course correct in a minute mm. There's also the nature of the fact that a film's story evolves and the narrative is different. So some, I think I'm going to have two really str strange examples here. So some people will say that Titanic is a really good film, a good film, even though a lot of Titanic Everyone is tragic. Dies. Yeah. yeah. And here's another really, really, really extreme example. You could have two vastly opposed individuals. Um, let's take, for example, a neo-Nazi and somebody of Jewish descent who has uh, of a Holocaust survivor's descent, and they watch Schindler's List. The neo-Nazi were like, yeah, brilliant, I'm really enjoying this film because I'm seeing all the Jews die horribly. So this is a monstrous thing to think, obviously. But on the other side of it, you could say by the end of the movie, with seeing so many lives saved, it's such a moving experience, for someone who's, you know, uh, a descendant of those atrocities could say, this does kind of make me feel good because there were good people and this and, and especially because of the, the shots at the end with the with the contemporary people at the time, the survivors, Th there are ways to look at these things. I know it's a very, very strange example, but the notion of feeling good about something is a purely selfish drive and can come from all kinds of insp inspiration. And but the story itself isn't usually in any form constant from start to end everything is good it's obviously because the story would be fucking tedious unless it's like a you know for very like very small children kind of mm. thing and even then there's yeah, usual sure. conflict of sorts um i get I, another classic is disney and pixar especially oh i love this movie it's a great feel good film really because in the first three minutes his mum dies that kind of situation you know and that's you know insert disney movie here kind of yeah thing. exactly yeah it, it is a very 
strange thing because again, it's not like classification. We're not talking about what structurally, like we do with most sequelized episodes, what makes a film good? Um, you know, it has all these properties that are firing on all cylinders. These things could be better. These could be improved. This is uh, turbulent because of the production, etc. But a feeling is the most personal thing you have. Obviously, a, a group of people will have a shared experience, obviously, but that doesn't guarantee you will feel good about it. Yeah, it's it's an emotional, personal reaction. Um, and I think that, like you said, there's... there's um, to a lot of feel-good movies, there's an element of, like, kind of almost uh, bittersweet or, or catharsis to them. Mm. You take something like... Uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is held up as a uh, both a great film and a Precisely. kind of you know I'm sure would you know feature on a lot of lists of like feel good movies because it ends I'm, on a very triumphant note. But and we'll get into some of those lists later on as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. like there's a lot of horrible shit that happens in that film, but because mm. because of the way it ends, you there's, know, a, there's a mile of horrible shit in that. Quite, <laughs> yeah, quite literally. You know, similarly, like someone could you know, uh, especially I'd imagine if you've been to prison could be like, I never want to watch that fucking movie again because, you know, the, all, all the <laughs> stuff you have to suffer through to get to the good feeling at the mm. end. Um, it's such a personal thing. Which, which is also the nature of peaks and troughs of just the emotional experience. The, uh, the notion that you plateau through life and you are therefore without um, positive or negative experience, therefore you are, in theory, an individual of, of what one could argue uh, constant happiness to a degree. But then... There's also the argument, which is a bit of a philosophical point of if you don't know the highs and the lows, how can you separate them? If you don't know what it's like to be on the lowest low, how can you appreciate the highest high? And some people are like, you know what? I'm okay with not knowing that. I, I had a conversation at, um, at a party of Tim's years ago. With, it, was, it, was, it was what I like to con consider the clash of, of uh, the scientist and the artist. <laughs> And the scientist, she basically just said, oh, no, I, I've never really had like these things that you guys talk about with like, well, like story. I don't really re relate to stories like that because I've never had things go really, really bad for me. And they've never been really, really that good. And I'm like, that's horrible. I wouldn't want to live like that. I said, well, yeah, but if things are like not that great, I'll just have a bit of chocolate and I'm fine or I'll just go for a run and I'm OK. And I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you? Um, but then I'm like. <laughs> Isn't that actually much, much better to live sometimes? And this is literally just, you know, discourse between an AI and an and overly emotional person who's convincing themselves they're much happier, even though they've been excruciatingly miserable at times. And that's, again, the, the nature of film. You, you need that, that low point, something bad to happen to highlight that something good is happening, in theory. But there are examples of individual films where they're like, actually, it's all good all the time. And that's fine. Very rare yeah. that they work, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of relate to that in a lot of ways because I often find it difficult to emotionally relate to films for whatever reason. Like, and they Fucking don't off scientists. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a, a bit too analytical, a bit too logical, a bit too robotic, and you know, like I just don't. I don't know. Emotions aren't a strong factor for me when watching a film. I, I'm I'm often watching it from a, like a whether it's a critical factor or not whether i'm just kind of switching off and watching something or whether i'm mm -hmm. like you know analyzing it for synchronizers or whatever it doesn't really matter but sure i don't really emotionally react to a lot of things unless as the listeners and you guys know i'm shouting and screaming and <laughs> why is this so fucking terrible and all that kind of stuff jack's, jack's primary emotion is rage pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's like the if you've experienced an emotion from me it's probably anger <laughs> 
like directed towards a terrible film <laughs> or, a, or a bit where the video game didn't go how I wanted it to go and he didn't jump when I told him to jump or whatever. <laughs> like, it, it's that kind of thing. But there are, obviously, I... I I'm gonna make, I, I feel gonna, like I'm human. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make myself sound like a like an alien, basically. There's like a emotional alien where, like, I understand moments where I should be crying and stuff like that. But I'm like, I see what you're doing here. I'm I'm not I'm not falling for that shit. You know what mm. I mean? Like a lot of those times, like, oh, Bambi's mum's dead. Like, yeah, mm. they, they sh- she sure is. That that poor cartoon deer that is a cartoon deer like i find it very yeah. difficult to kind of especially in like animation and stuff i find it very mm. difficult to like really really get absorbed and lost into the emotional side of things whereas I, I i love so many pixar films and things like that but it's usually not the emotional resonance to me so and when you said yeah, yeah when you said feel good movies to me and i think that this is kind of a, a big topic we talked about before we even started coming up with lists and discussing this episode in like a, the, the pre-show discussion i was like what do you mean by a feel-good movie because i don't sit mo- sit around and be like oh i'm having such a great time with this that's not really a thing that i do what are feelings uh, how can they be uh, good i mean we, we call this void comp for short and kind of, uh, we're yeah, gonna expose yeah. you as a blade runner <laughs> yeah no, we were blade runner. for me like a feel-good movie and we'll get onto it because we've got a couple of personal picks of our own we'll get yes, onto later it's like a film I've seen loads of times before and I can just have on and kind of not worry about it mm-hmm. and and that kind of thing. Like, I'm not sat there actively watching it and really like I critically analyzing it and I can kind of switch off for a bit. For me, that's part of what makes a feel-good film is that I can just kind of, oh, it's just nice and easy and, you know, not not too much to worry about and all this kind of stuff. I, would, I wouldn't sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to watch this brand new... I always use him as an example. Denis Villeneuve or Alex Garland or sure, something like sure. some cerebral thing I need to be really paying attention to. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch Annihilation for the first time just to see how good I feel. <laughs> like, <laughs> definitely not. But how, out of just curiosity, because I know you've mentioned before about very much being um, a, a fan of how video games tell <laughs> stories, for example. Mm, yes. Would you say you've been emotionally invested in video games because you have more control over it and more agency? Yes, I feel I'm more invested. So I very recently, a couple of days ago, I promise no spoilers, don't worry, finished The Last of Us 2. I saw you and Scarrett. Yeah, jizzing me, over each me other. and John. Yeah, well, John was jizzing, and I and I joined in, and and you gave him a helping hand. I, I further soggied <laughs> that biscuit, as it were. And uh, yeah, it. Spoiler alert for my opinion. I think it's a masterpiece, but. Fair. It's an incredibly emotionally taxing journey for the characters mm. in that. Surprise, surprise, The Last of Us features emotional journeys for characters. <laughs> That's not a fucking spoiler. But there's a lot of like, who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, all that kind of stuff and all that. Sure. Like, there's no moral objectivism in that game. There is like, everybody's kind of a terrible person. It's the end of the world anyway. Does any of this matter? That kind of stuff. It's all shades of grey. Yeah, and then you watch something like The Road, and I'm like, oh god, this is this is the most bleak thing I've ever experienced in my <laughs> life, and and it evokes similar emotions and things like that. But I could, and I, I don't obviously, I'm like after finishing The Last of Us Two, I've just been playing like arcade games and stuff, <laughs> and just chilling out. I've been playing Fall Guys and stuff, which is mm. this silly, ridiculous thing, and that's. I guess that's kind of the equivalent for me. That's what I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that that's the Pixar game, is I will go and play a fucking cartoony, silly platformer yeah. or whatever and just, like, kind of not think about, oh, God, do I press the button to shoot the 
baby or whatever. It's like this really dark moment. I'm like, not a spoiler. I made that up. No, I get, I get, I get it. But like, yeah, I'm, 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 pull, I'm pulling yeah. the trigger on this thing, and that's a investment, emotional investment for me. As I feel like the what little emotional investment I have in general, I have completely spent that on The Last of Us Two, and now I'm like. Mm. Yeah, I just need to, I need pretty colors and just jumping around for a bit. <laughs> Whatever art you're absorbing, you need a palette cleanser. And you just can't have the same thing over and over and over. Obviously, by design, of course you can. You can have a Spotify playlist that is just nothing but the same effective song over and over and over. But an album or a art gallery or something you don't have control over, like a, a, a live set by a band, for example, that is in the order it is handed to you. So, for example, you have, if you take just a, a CD compilation, what's a compilation, sorry, just a regular album, you have, right, okay, we're going to have this kind of song, then this kind of song, then we'll have a slower song, then we have a big number that's really sort of like up to the BPM kind of thing, and you have all different variety as dictated by, by the group or the band or the artist or whoever it's going to be. When you walk into a gallery, you don't have usually all the same things all together because you have to kind of have a palate cleanse you have to go through this the difference is with films people don't tend to set out films unless you're going to a festival of or, or a matinee of sorts that's linking these things together or you're doing your own like you know oh we watch these films back to back like a marathon it's like okay i've just watched this movie what do i watch the following night or the next movie along however you do film absorbing yourself mm. um it's like, well, I don't want to watch the exact same thing again, or maybe I do, that kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to do like a Kung Fu marathon. I watch three Kung Fu films in a row. But even with that, what kind, from what country, what feel, how, what's the aesthetic? So, and, Unless you've literally got a series of films or a trilogy or however you want to put it, yeah. that, is, that is built with that specific pacing in mind. Mm. And like, one of the weirdly, this is going to sound really weird and I'm going to sound even more like, on the autistic spectrum than I already do to so some <laughs> listeners, probably I'm sure I'm, I'm sure people are freaked out by my lack of emotional response to things, <laughs> but Lord of the Rings is one of the few films that has made me actually cry. Like that's whilst normal. watching that's it. I know, but like, I don't cry at basically anything else, but it's fucking Lord of the Rings. Like, all right, you fucking nerd. That's the oh, one yeah, yeah. thing that makes you cry. I, but, I mean, if you cry at something like what happened, uh, and it's like, Oh, well it was this moment. That's not something to cry about. Mm. No, you don't understand. It was, it was, Leave me alone. <laughs> but he's a like, tree, and he's also a person. <laughs> he's lost his wife. Actually, no, he's lost his wife is a relatable thing. Fuck. He's a tree, and there's some hobbits running around his area. He's annoyed. Yeah. That would be why are you crying. <laughs> he mistake the hobbits for orcs. <sighs> um, yeah. So having that kind of journey, and the fact that they were obviously, it's from the books and that's planned yes, in the trilogy. You've got, the connection to it. you've got the connection there. You've got the fact they're all filmed at the same time. So they're mm, obviously, mm. there's a conscious idea of pacing going into it and all that kind of stuff. But they have their <coughs> peaks and they have their troughs and stuff like that. And in a 90 minute to two hour film, you often don't get enough time to go through that full spectrum of, mm. you know, ups, downs, ups, downs, ups, downs. You'll get one up, one down, or a couple of ups and a couple of downs and things like that. Yeah. And then go through that. But, like feel good films, I totally understand. You mentioned Pixar, Matt. Like Pixar is the perfect example of just mm. like they're so enjoyable. They're so like they get awesome. sad, but then they get happy again, and then they get sad again. And it's kind it's of- based on the Disney formula of I want 
cartoons to be a legitimate thing and I don't want people to just go ah ha, ha, it's funny which is what they did at the time mm. I want them to feel scared which is when the windmill thing came from and I want them to cry which is where Sleeping Beauty uh, sorry uh, Snow White came from and that's kind of the point it's emotional manipulation to prove a point and I know that's not the complete and origin <laughs> of all cartoons but at the end of the day that's Disney and that's one of the most powerful explain the history of Disney in like seven words <laughs> effectively <laughs> I want people to cry um, <laughs> now we got them by the balls um, but the truth is if you stop a Disney movie at certain points it's like oh that's pretty bad everything's really sad it's like yeah but don't worry happily ever after it will mm. end on a high note which I always had a problem with as a kid I was like sounds very boring because it's, it's, it's a film it's always said it should arguably be and obviously there's example um, there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but a film should arguably be the most exciting time in that character's life. Unless you're being subversive and was like, no, 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 this is the aftertimes or whatever like that. But uh, because of that, you want to see the best and cool stuff. You don't want to be referring to it later. And I think that's interesting, sort of talking about how Disney films, you know, were created with the intention of, you know, evoking very specific emotions. And obviously there's always intention behind a film. There's there's a wealth of intentions behind a film. The, you know, the director, the writer, the actors, the, you know, cinematographer are all looking to evoke a response. But I think there's mm. also, there are certain types of films that are pushing really hard to uh, evoke certain emotions. And in some people that can even lead to the opposite stuff where people are like, I don't, like feeling like I'm being pushed to feel like really I'm sad. Just to and then, I don't like feeling. And then, you know, uh, I think, you know, uh, sort of certain types of, you know, melodrama or, or whatever you want to term it can really turn people off and can have the opposite effect to intended. I, I, I experienced that for sure. Yeah. I can go into a fucking rom-com and just be like, oh, God, yeah, I know what you're trying to do here, but fuck off. Do you mean when we all saw Last Christmas together? Well, that, (laughs) yes, exactly. Shit like that, that's this real kind of everything super clean cut and happy and Mm manufactured is a good word for it. Yeah, like you said, Tim, where you're aiming, they're like, oh, yeah, we really want to get this emotional response from the audience. And you're like seeing the Matrix. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But no. (laughs) And I think a lot of that comes down to just how good the film is at the end of the day because it's about you would hope that a in a good film you you stop thinking about the intentions of the filmmaker and you just accept the reality of the film and if you're thinking oh they did like you know and 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 it can be even things like music cues i think do it a lot (laughs) where like a certain song comes on under a scene and 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 that can be enough to jerk you out of it and be like oh they want me to feel like this during this scene how they're like and especially if it's something particularly like on the nose it can be like oh okay i see what you're doing here and and that sets you up to have the opposite reaction yeah it's it's the nature of when I mean, we talked about at the very start of this about it's not a structural thing it's not a, a quantifiable thing but it can be because if you're too heavy-handed with it you suddenly see what you're doing and it's very manipulative and you think some people go but i'm okay with that and some people reject it immediately and at the same time there's also the nature of experience um as a teenager there are things i was watching i'm going oh fuck you i see what you're doing i don't give a shit mate and then i get older and have more life experience and i go actually no this is cutting me in a different way in the same way that i don't have a child at present i imagine that I know, you know I, of. I, I uh yeah i'm fairly confident okay. um the nature of i can empathize with something like sophie's choice and watching go ah oh, this is brutal i can understand mm. it because the acting is so fucking good the writing is good everything about it's making me 
it's manipulating me to feel something, but that's also the nature of storytelling. You're being, you know, the storyteller saying, I want you to feel this way so we can understand what the person's going through. It's empathy at the end of the day. But then the thing is, the more you go through it, the more you, you add to it. So for example, strange example, maybe. Homeward Bound, both versions. Not the sequel though. Uh, a live action... We'll, we'll get to that bastard. <laughs> story of two dogs and a cat. A uh, family moves away. Dogs and cat try to find the family go through America and it's it's quite traumatizing if you like animals if you don't like animals who gives a fuck so at the time uh when I was a little kid like maybe like five or six I was kind of scared of dogs neighbor had a doberman it scared the shit out of me never liked dogs really too much at all but I like cats because I had a cat so I was terrified for this cat drowning and I was like no 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 I was very worried I watched the film again at a slightly older age about 13 when we did a dog and I was much over my fear of, uh, phobia of dogs and I was much happier with them and suddenly the things that happened to dogs were like no 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 leave don't not, not the bear go away just and it, you 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 again it's 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 entirely manufactured it's entirely manipulative forcing empathy but again and I can't stress this enough that's art yeah. art is always trying to manipulate you in some way it's it's a it's a, it's like, a form of psychological we often marketing. describe the worst sequels are the ones that you go eh. Yeah, because at least like especially with the the format of this show, a terrible sequel we can talk about for a very long time, mm. and you will you will want to talk to like we bring up Son of the Mask every couple of episodes because <laughs> it is that bad. Yes. Whereas if you just get something that's like a four out of ten or a five out of ten, you're like, oh, it's just it's just mediocre. It's eh, meh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. There's nothing good, nothing bad. It's just, it just doesn't do anything, no. you know. And, Whereas and having response is sometimes worse yeah. than yeah. It's forgettable. Yeah, exactly. I want I want those extremes. You want to kind of like either love it or hate it, mm. kind of thing. That's why you seek out stories in the first place, usually to 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 feel something. And even like your bedtime stories as a child, you're supposed to learn effectively they've got some sort of twisted moral. For for Britain it's always a strange colonial Victorian moral, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Trying to teach you about like people dying in plagues and how some uh, military campaign didn't go down too well. It's like, thank you, Humpty Dumpty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is about a cannon or some shit. Mm. Um, we probably should discuss, however, before we get to ourselves, the general public. Now Coincidentally, I mean, um, we're now in August, but at, on the 31st of July, uh, Fandango, big American company with regards to films and uh, uh, distribution of films in terms of like cinema sort of stuff, did a little little poll, a little thing on their YouTube page, I think on their maybe Twitter as well. And it was basically, what's a feel good film for you? And I thought, this is extremely well-timed. <laughs> I'm going to run through the comments and just highlight some of them. And I tried to get things that had multiple entries, obviously, because there will always be things of like, oh, my favorite feel-good film is this, because my dad watched it with me when I was young. It's like, what was the film? The Shining. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is the first film I, 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 I love, Predator. Why? I got a hand job. It's like, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a bit too personal there, man. That was a bit too quick. My you dad doesn't that, like you the shining. It's fine. <laughs> Moving on, but that's kind of the thing you you do with a, a, a personal association. So I tried to get things on there that had appeared like three or four times, and even then I was like, there is a formula, which I can summarize as blockbusters, music, and sports. <laughs> <laughs> so should we? Who, who should doesn't we, like those things? Yeah, should we, should we whip through some of these just to sure. to give people some examples of what the public would say? If you again. If we ask you now, listener, what's a feel-good film that makes you feel good, there will be 
probably a panic in your brain as there always would be and then you're uh uh and then name like your favorite disney film and then go and and die hard because i asked a friend recently he said oh yeah spirit away and die hard i guess i was like huh i mean it ends on a happily ever after i guess so except there's four more of those motherfuckers coming and you know it oh god so yeah should we take should we take one each and just whip through our, sure. our rough opinions of them well let's start things off with what instantly I feel is a weird choice, but I, I kind of get it. Deadpool, of all the yeah. fucking movies. That is such a weird choice. I, I, yeah, I cannot understand. Like, not, like I, I don't like Deadpool. I, I, I bounced off Deadpool too. Sure, but sure. to me, that is much more of like a feel-good film in its intentions, I guess, because, mm. like, it's... To it's me, got the like here, that's got the kind of like yeah, that's miserable. It's it's about redemption and stuff like that. Whereas like mm. Deadpool two, uh, Deadpool the original is just kind of like, I mean, yes, there's there's a kind of tragedy at the core of it. Of you know, mm. he gets um, cancer. He, he gets cancer and he gets he gets separated from Vanessa and stuff like that. Yes, and he's trying yes. to, but. I I really struggled like uh, like I saw that on the list and I was like, what are the points of that where people are like, yes, I feel good about it. Is it just that they like Ryan Reynolds? Y- yes. So my my theory is, and there's one thing mm. you missed off here, Matt, with your blockbuster musical type things. How dare you? Comedy. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. This film, if you really fucking boil it down to just the most like typical genre definition, it's action comedy, and people yeah. fucking love action comedies because that's the kind of shit you can just switch your brain off to and just like, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds being funny and lots of explosions. Like, I you know he burns alive and he has cancer, right? Lots of explosions, yeah. yay! <laughs> he's he's in one of those explosions, you know, right? Yeah, whatever. Um, it, I I think I, I can completely understand it if you frame the audience who've said it and this is a generalization mm. but fuck it if you're a teenage millennial boy, dudes who like 90s comics <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's 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 the fact that it's irreverence it's i get to say and do whatever the fuck i want escapism to the full wish fulfillment degree and like he's like he doesn't give a fuck about anything he can swear and he does things and he's a oh, sex yeah, cool. yeah. and it's literally why does it make you feel good it makes you feel good because he's literally doing everything i think i would like to do when i was 15 because he's cool yeah and it makes people relax because of it and it was surprisingly well made etc 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 so i think the reason that's a feel good film for a lot of people might be that it's like as jack said it's an action comedy i can turn it on watch it be entertained it's funny it's silly it's irreverent yeah. it's really quotable i think die hard falls in that die hard mm. is far less of a comedy but no, there yeah, are yeah. so many amazing quotes there's like alan rickman is one of the all-time great like mm. film villains just from mm. the the brief bit of sc- relative brief bit of screen time he gets in that hans gruber is so quotable john mcclain is so quotable deadpool is so quotable mm. like you get so many funny little back and forth moments and that kind of thing and Taking that like rather like a really dour comedy, I don't know. Take something. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, for example. Oh yeah, which is yeah. not a fucking feel good film, no. but it's got action. It's got guns. Unless it's you got, love it's got America, Jack. Unless you <laughs> love America, which some people do, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, too much. And uh, it's kind of balancing that. Like, if you have those little quippy moments, those little jokes interspersed yes. in there, yes. you can get away with some of the more tense bits of action and things like that. Mm. But I think Deadpool is the extreme example of that, that he is doing literal dick jokes 
every 15 seconds or so yes. and you have people like tj miller showing up and being like oh my god you look like a ball sack and all this kind of thing and it's like i i, I guess i get it and I, yeah. I do i do feel like were the people who were polled in this just people around our age you know like white dudes in their 20s and 30s who fucking it's, love deadpool for some reason the internet we're the most vocal people People fucking love Deadpool for some reason. Mm. If you've ever been to a convention, like a Comic-Con <laughs> or anything, there's a million dickheads dressed as Deadpool <laughs> and they act like Deadpool. They're, they're infamous for being dickheads because yeah. they act like they're fourth wall breaking and like groping people and doing all this shit and it's mad. It's, it's an excuse to... It's an excuse to conventions. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. De- Deadpool cosplayers are kind of infamous, and to the point where some cons have like banned certain people from doing it and things like that. At MCM and stuff, we, we for cheese mint, uh, we would do like cosplay bingo stuff because when we're on a table exhibiting, it's a good chance to go around with the cameras like, "Hi, how are you?" We'd have like find a gender swap character, get characters to say their catchphrase, and the easiest like center square thing was either find a Harley Quinn or find yeah. a Deadpool. And get them to high five you or something, and, and, like, that, yeah, and they are. I think those two characters are two sides of the same coin, basically only yeah. separated by gender. They are fourth, there are fourth wall breaking, quipping action characters, mm. where women are like, "Yeah, I want to be cool and not give a fuck like Harley Quinn." You don't understand the character. I want to be cool and <laughs> not give a fuck like Deadpool. He's more tragic than you think. <laughs> Yay! Everything's fun and fine. It's like, yeah, it's, it's the great. surface level of appreciation versus the nature mm. of things. Yeah, mm. without sounding gatekeeper, but then, but because of the film, I completely understand why it's some people go. If you're just, oh, referring I feel to the like film. I'm just chuck this on. It's fun. Yeah. It's silly. It's yeah. So the next one on the list, I completely understand as well. Speaking of our series finale from from last season. Oh yeah, it ties into the last season, of course. Yeah, and by the way, people didn't say a specific film; they just said inverted commas Harry Potter. Yeah, they didn't say which one. <laughs> the, um, the the concept. Of Harry I think Potter. that comes down to similar to Jack with Lord of the Rings. I think that comes down to escapism and mm-hmm. uh, again wish fulfillment and world building. Just the idea of like this is a thing I may be familiar with as a narrative thing on in book form, but just literally, and I like the world and I want to just absorb it for a while. I want to be a wizard. Mm. Yeah. I want to go to platform nine and three quarters. I want to magic away my own shit. <laughs> it's it's and <laughs> it's like escapism as it, at its kind of most fundamental level. It's Correct, you know yeah. I wish I could be a wizard, and these films make me feel like that world is real, and so yeah. I could like mm. you know it, it feels closer to me, and therefore that feels good, kind of thing. It's also and largely devoid of real world problems. So, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apart, I mean, from, apart from World, world War II, maybe? Uh, well, we, we don't know. Harry Potter doesn't include Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, exactly. But I, I also feel like the, the way that Lord of the Rings ties into my kind of emotional reaction to it, and sure. the same way that this does, not to harp on the demographic thing as well, but like most people were kids when they started reading or watching Harry mm, Potter or mm. both. So you have that moment of like, oh, I'm 10 again. I have no responsibilities. I can just watch, you know, Daniel Rank. I'm basically the same age as, da- I've talked about this before. Mm. I'm the same age as the principal cast in Harry Potter. So I'm I'm within like a few months of Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grimm, all those guys. Jack so- Chambers, background Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you nearly an extra in one, Matt? Was that you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you talk shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like the, 
I remember when I was 11 as well. Oh yeah, I didn't have I didn't have to worry about rent and mortgages and savings accounts and bullshit and like all that was kind of puberty stuff. and bullying and school. Oh wait, they were 10 times worse than paying <laughs> bills. Fuck that shit. No, high school's the best time of your life, isn't it, Matt? It is if you're a wizard. Oh no, wait, you have to fight wizard Hitler. 2 2.0. <laughs> people just literally die all the time and they're like eh, yeah you know magical stuff is magical does you know how it is woodly woodly <laughs> like yeah but i can i can totally see the harry potter thing i think that, that that makes a lot of sense i imagine that there are two different types of harry potter uh, people who've put harry potter on this list there's sure. the, the people who are just big fans of that world and that universe and they just want to immerse themselves in it and then there's people who, when they think of Harry Potter, they think of the first mm, one to maybe four or five films. And they're like, <laughs> oh, but it's just like a fun romp with kids. And like, it makes me think of like Christmas because those films often feature like yeah. quite a lot of stuff oh, yeah, at Christmas course, yeah. or, and, it, and, mm. and came out around that time of year and stuff like that. And they're not really thinking about like the ones where it just gets quite bleak and it's all about just fighting Voldemort and you know despair and stuff like that they're thinking and child soldiers uh, yeah they're thinking <laughs> they're thinking of the early days of like we just run around whole courts and we have adventures and stuff like that it's got a magical cloak and sorting house as a library you can only read certain books in Ooh. yeah yeah that's fair next on the list uh we have one that I think for some people is is uh is very much that kind of model like we said earlier of that kind of um catharsis feeling of like tragedy yes. but it ends ends on a high note which is uh little miss sunshine and when i first saw that on the list i was i was very like but that film's just full of tragedy and like <laughs> like loads of bad shit happens in that and and matt as you said uh you were like yeah but it ends with all dancing <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i think it's it's a weird mindset where, like, when the Golden Globes started going through, I think, and they said, oh, I end up for so many things of writing and, and, and best picture of best comedy, The Martian. I was like, that wasn't a comedy. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like, no, it I is. I feel like if something has jokes in it, it doesn't necessarily make it a comedy film. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like, like I said, Mark Watney's Die, Die Hard time. is not a comedy. No, no. But no, it's no, a funny film. It. Yeah. So you got, like, Mark Watney played by Matt Damon, and he's like, yeah, but he's like, quipping and stuff and he's like he comes over adversity and, and as tim's um coined in a previous episode it's the it's the competence porn he's he's doing such a great job and then he goes he's got such a great human spirit and he comes back to earth and it's all great and it's like it's not comedy though is it i mean it's like <laughs> is it no it's not i feel like um, i not to get completely distracted i feel like the golden globes should just like fess up and just have uh that instead of like their categories being uh, drama and comedy slash musical as they are at the moment mm, they should mm. just be like uh, prestige and genre <laughs> um, <laughs> because I feel like well, yeah. that's what it breaks down to at some point because they were like well we can't call it a drama even though like a bunch of like dramatic stuff happens in it because it's got space in it <laughs> it's too silly when Harry met Sally it's the next on the list which is a film mm. I've never seen funnily enough it's a Gen X thing if you ask me yeah, I, I have also I, I feel seen like, it. I feel like this is a dirty dancing thing where mm. particular people of a particular generation think it's a fucking banger. <laughs> and you're like, mm, is it though? Like, are you sure this is a classic? It's all right, yeah. Uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> fucking that, exactly. Like, people who watch it now in 2020 or, you know, over the last 10 years instead of the last 35 years or whatever it is, mm. are like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. People have it's, this fucking absolute revelry for 80s films for some reason. And I feel like it's a similar kind of thing. It's, it's through nostalgia more than mm. it actually being a thing. I think it's because, again, it's the nature of it was the first, and that's not exactly true, obviously, but the first mainstream thing to tell a certain story. There was great chemistry. It was... Uh, she has an orgasm. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? I'll have what she's having, right? Yeah, see? Off. Famous thing. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it, it's, it's well made. And I think... Okay, here's a strange parallel. Some people also think the same way. Whenever I hear certain people quoting Harry and Harry Met Sally, they talk the same way about Thelma and Louise and think, what the fuck are you talking about? Why does that feel with me? Because, you know, <laughs> they, they, they stuck it to the man and they tried. It's like, spoilers, it's they the die. It's not a good ending. together. It's got a, like, yeah. a proper like Breakfast Club freeze frame, but it's not a good freeze frame. Um, it, it, is, it is difficult to quantify these things. But yeah, I think, again, that one comes down to association. of I was a certain age. I was watching a certain thing. It's, again, another manipulative piece where it's trying to make you feel a certain type of wry, late 80s, early 90s comedy, as it were, um, that kind of humor being pushed through. So again, with all these, I get it. Because all I need to do is say, imagine... X, Y, Z said it, and you go, oh, yeah. It's broad generalizations, but it's like, no, I, I understand. And again, with the kind of rom-com thing, it does kind of end with him, like, declaring his love, and then they get <laughs> married and all this bullshit, right? Like, that's... At this point, it's very cliched, but that, at that point, it was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of... Happy endings. It yeah. can change everything in theory. Exactly. Next on this is Frozen. Which is a villain origin story, in my opinion. But <laughs> that's a tale for another time. Jack's I mean, hot take. Or well, his frozen <laughs> that take, is. rather. That is, because... Um, uh, my ice cold take. Thank you, Tim. Um, I mean, it was, because it was supposed to be it was about the Snow Queen. It was about this uh, villainous character they made a, a you know, hero. Yeah. So the, the, I, d- I didn't realise until I saw the second one and kind of looked it up. It's yeah. all based on Hans Christian Andersen stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's based on the dark stuff. Mm-hmm. It all gets real weird and creepy. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I frozen... Is, is our first sort of Disney on this little list of the public and it's just basically the most recent big huge phenomena in terms of like Disney Pixar kind of stuff I know I'm lumping Pixar in there with as well but you know what I mean you can sing along to it the kids got, can watch it the yeah. whole family can get together and they will be like oh it's pretty good yeah, yeah. it's and got a you have talking children. snowman well yeah exactly and everybody gets a little song and dance bit and there's funny bits where they say like sandwiches and stuff and everybody goes, ha ha ha, what a <laughs> lovely time we're having. <laughs> Frozen's fine. <laughs> it's, an, right. it's, a, it's an adequate film. Yeah. As, as Matt said in his review not too long ago, and now I've seen the second one, I prefer the second one. Yeah, second and one. I, I did watch them pretty much closely back to back. And yeah, I get it. It's fine. It would never be my pick of Disney or Pixar films in a million years. The amount of downturns in that movie, you'd think, why is this someone's feel-good film? And then mm. you realise, yeah, but it ends all right. It's like, oh, is that is that all it takes? Yeah, because the they've last got three to minutes learn to it takes. let it go, <laughs> let it go. It's like all empowering songs and stuff and that kind of yeah, but bullshit. She, she kind of doesn't let it go, does she? she comes oh, no, not at rules. all. No, she doesn't let it go at all. Yeah, and she's still in the closet. But we're told that she was, so... Yeah, she's, she actively states out loud that she's fine, therefore she's fine. That's how, that's how emotions work, right? <laughs> I'm okay! That's, like, that's my understanding think... of emotions, yeah. as we've already established. <laughs> They're only real if you say them out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, of the ones so far where I can say, no, I get it, the next one, I genuinely fucking get it. <laughs> I, I do get this one. Blues Brothers. Yeah. We, we've covered it on the show before. We have. The first one is a fucking classic. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it is. Yeah. Again, although it does have the same thing as all the other ones, it's it's uh, you know about an orphanage closing down which would be miserable sort of thing I, I guess in theory loads of people die in car crashes in that film yeah. as well because it was the biggest what biggest car pile up in the history of cinema at the time or something like until that, the it? sequel came out uh, until the sequel uh, <laughs> correct no people die in that film it's only police officers oh, <laughs> blue lives don't matter <laughs> and of course it's littered with Nazis in that movie as well yeah yeah it's a strange one to quantify why it's a feel-good movie, but again, it's God singing and dancing, and it's irreverent and it's comedy, yeah. and it's like, yeah. oh, this it is a ticks two of the boxes: musical comedy. There yeah. you yeah. go. <laughs> Carrie Fisher is a completely furious individual, and she's trying to blow people up, but it's funny. It's like you come back to the Deadpool thing. It's like, what's funny about this? She's a woman scorned, and she's trying to get revenge. Yeah, but it's funny because she fails. What's funny? The fat man dancing. It's great. Yeah. Although they booked a gig and it's not the kind of place they have to do. That's the Rawhide theme. Hey, brilliant. Like, what, what, how is this a comedy? And it's like, but I'm oh, sorry, I'm not a comedy, sorry. How is this a feel good movie? Mm. But it is. Yeah. And it does. Yeah, and it, it works. works. And they're criminals. Starts with prison time. <laughs> it's the end of Shawshank. <laughs> Next one on the list is a film I really, really like. Mm, I think we all do. I didn't really think of it as a feel good movie, but it, I guess it is. It's John Favreau's Chef. Mm. which is real good, real, real good. Mm. And I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily competence porn, but it's, it's along those similar kind it's of lines. Of like, it's food <laughs> porn, definitely, yeah. And again, you've got the, I guess it's a comedy. There, there's lots of, like, you've got um, John Agazamo in there and, like, you know, they're bouncing off each other quite mm-hmm. nicely and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I really, really like Chef, and I've, I wouldn't have thought about it, but it, it does kind of work. And, you know, spoiler alert, a new restaurant and all that kind of stuff and it's opening up and blah 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 and you get the whole the, the marriage the interplay of the the family and the marriage yeah. and all that kind of stuff and i think it's because the stakes are uh, very personally high for the characters but there's no real sense of dread or building you kind mm. of know watching that film it'll all work out okay because of the attitudes of the individuals involved and the fact that they have good food in each other and that sounds like a really cliche fucking thing to say but it's true it's like no, you kind of know throughout the whole film, this will be all right. And that makes you feel like things will be all right. It's the opposite of the Harry Potter thing where you go, don't worry, there's no real world threats here. This is like, yeah, there's real world threats, but don't worry because there's, we have these people. And if you don't have those people, we can be those people for you. And it's like, huh. And a lot of people have that connection to movies in general and TV, especially. It's like, I feel really shitty and sad. And then I'll watch a couple episodes of the West Wing and I'll feel really good. And it's like, Why? It's like, well, it's well made. Yeah, no, I, can, I know it's well made, but why do you feel good? Because I like those people. They're my friends. Mm. <laughs> They're trying to yeah. use government for good, Matt. <laughs> it's the left wing, not the west wing, and everything is perfect. He's like, you're, you're actually correct. It's working out rather well. Um, but that's, that's kind of the thing. It, it, it is a connection people make with the movie, the people, and like, oh, I like this. And people will go back to feel that again and again. Who isn't unified by food? Like, mm. Even if you don't... There are some people that don't like food. Yeah, but some, like, some fucks, I know. Yeah, but th- this this film is so about the, like... Br- it brings people together and all that kind of yes. stuff, which is a And it's huge... constantly shot, so it makes you... Yeah. You do feel like you're actually enjoying what you see. As we learned from my uh, previous pitches, I like oh. a bit of John Favreau. So yeah, yeah, fair. There you go. <laughs> the next one is bullshit. 
straight up fucking bullshit it's pure nostalgia and it's bullshit um i i reject this because my wife is terrified of the central title character and a, a lot of people are a lot of people are like, like a lot of people yeah i think chris broaden they brought in japan he yeah he tweeted about it like and and suddenly all the replies are just like yep me too i'm terrified by this film i don't get it I, I genuinely feel the the further you go from this movie, the less popular it is. I think anything I, fundamental I, I about it. I wonder it if is, the listeners can guess what we're talking about, by the way, because we, we've not said the title here. We're like everybody's terrified of it, but it's a feel good movie to some people. Yeah, what could it Citizen be? Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Kane's a monster. No, no. Um, e. T. The Extraterrestrial. <laughs> Oh, the fucking thing. <laughs> His glowing fucking fingers. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, oh it, yeah. no. Get in the bin. I, I, I didn't, I've never liked DT. I've enjoyed the craft of it. I understand why it was popular. I know it came off the back of like 1979, Alien, and the threat was huge. And then in the 80s, it was like, it was one of the things that kind of uh, killed to a degree Blade Runner and the thing it was like no they're all friends now and then Mac and me came out don't talk about Mac and me fucking hell um, <laughs> fucking, Mac, fucking Mac and me but what, what a with, film with E.T. some people and I think again it's a generational thing I think it's a certain age group thing love it um, yeah, I mean, you know what I think it is apart mm. from the nostalgia, obvious 80s nostalgia that we already kind of mentioned yeah it's fucking Spielberg Mm. I think that's definitely a fact. Spielberg almost literally invented that type of 80s nostalgia. You've got all mm. Indiana Jones, mm. you've got E.T., you've got, fuck, I mean, going on to the 90s, going through, like, you know, Hook and Jurassic Park and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, Those two are close for me because of the age I was when I watched them, but I don't yeah. think either of them are technically feel-good films. A guy who can't connect with his kid and... Uh, dinosaurs eating people <laughs> i would really enjoy them jurassic park was w w was nearly one of my choices yeah, because same, same. it's such it's such an integral part of my childhood it was like one of the first films i think i ever consciously watched because i was really mm. into dinosaurs as a kid and my parents were like well there's a dinosaur film fuck it let's see what happens <laughs> <laughs> and jack and, the and, emotionless boy is born <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why who knows <laughs> and, and interesting here we've we've mentioned films that like explicitly feature music like you know blues brothers and frozen john williams scores like oh, you know yeah, you, yeah. when if you if you talk about jurassic park as a feel-good film bum, i just bum, think bum, 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 na, 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 na. exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm pumping my fist listeners ah so good like no, i i woke up i used to like set my alarm to various different john williams themes throughout the years and Superman's the best. You, you feel you when you wake up to that theme, you feel like fucking Superman. And I wonder if it is often is like music gets a much stronger emotional reaction from me in in a lot of ways as well. Like I can I can get goosebumps, yes. I can yes. cry from music and stuff. Howard Shaw's score in Lord of the Rings is going not to go mm. back onto that subject mm. too much, but like that is fucking heartbreaking sometimes. And there's some amazing, brilliant oh, little I, yeah. things feeding through that. And yeah, if you want to feel good, go and listen to some some kick ass John Williams and you just you just get <laughs> it's a fist bump, yeah. Emotionally hype. Some some Clint Mansell can do that for me for some Aronofsky stuff. Although it's traumatizing, I go, oh, I feel everything. <laughs> it's like putting your dick in a toaster. You don't. It's maybe you don't want to feel everything, but you do feel everything. Um, but with, I mean, spoilers to this list, by the way. I'm, I'm, I want to just talk about something that's absent from it for a second because I'll probably forget later. 
nobody said Star Wars. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I was very surprised by that because let's face and it, there's, lot there's no film. superhero films either, apart uh, from Deadpool. Well, Deadpool. <laughs> but I found Which is, again, it's the weirdest choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick fucking Superman, you psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, what's next on the list? Uh, next, we have Mamma Mia. Speaking Which of musical, it's just another Blues Brothers, isn't it? It's another yeah. big, fun, feel good. Yeah, uh, except very brightly shot. Who doesn't like ABBA kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard. Yeah. It's infectious and how 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 mm-hmm. upbeat it is, and the generational divide. It's just it's just it's a holiday film. It's mm-hmm. yeah. I I, I I fully understand that one. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. I, I would imagine that is also a lot of positive associations with the way people saw it. Because I think yeah, there were a lot yeah. of people going in groups to the cinema to see that. There were a lot of people True. who then went also to things like sing along viewings. I was, I was about it. to say they did the karaoke yeah. versions as well, didn't they? They did the same for Frozen as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. so, the whole family together and all. It was the nature of like, oh, you should go see it. Tell you what, I'll go with you again. Yeah, that would be the one that would be how you get groups of people going along. Yeah. Again, not to spin off on another tangent, but I can't think of anything worse than a sing-along cinema experience. I agree. Be introverted. It's like, be quiet during the movie, please. I came to hear If somebody talks, I shoot them a fucking look. Like I said, the only time, and speaking of hype soundtracks and stuff and hype moments, the only time I've made noise, like conscious, uh, unconsciously, basically, is the fuck yes moment in Avengers when Cap catches Mjolnir. Uh, next up on the list is a film I've literally never heard of, but I looked oh. up obviously for this for this mm. thing. Uh, it, we're going back to your fucking sports films, everybody. It's yeah. Remember the Titans, which I thought, oh, Clash of the Titans, yeah, sure. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? Is there a third one I don't know about? All you need to know is that Denzel Washington gives some amazing fucking speeches. Of course he does. Yeah, of course it's, he does. It's, it's, it's about actually, American football. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. High school, if I remember, is it high school or college football? I can't remember now. Probably college. They Maybe fucking it's love not. Maybe it's just football. a team and I've completely forgotten. E- either way, it's a very young Ryan Gosling. It, it's high school. I'm looking at the notes right now. Ah, good, 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 yeah. I, thought, I thought it was. just want to make sure it's interesting. And Denzel Washington. And I think it's, it's very well done. And for a lot of people, it strikes a really personal chord. Because, again, emotion. Americans love American football and people love sports and... Speaking of sports, our next choice, Field of Dreams. Ah, the other American sport. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, baseball. And one of our listeners, this is his, and he, he said this a few times, his favourite of all films of all time. Mm. Yeah. And I, again... Which replied like, do you really like baseball? He was like, yes. I was yes. like, right, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> critically, speaking, critically speaking, you have to be wrong. It's not the best construct film but for um, a personal connection I think that could be worse you could be Stuart Main and picking <laughs> Tron Legacy as your favourite film ever I mean that's got all kinds of sports in it no Stuart <laughs> bad Stuart very bad Stuart <laughs> but this is this is kind of the thing Field Dreams is um, you know classically misquoted it's it's again it's it's the nature of like what are you looking for in your movie well I'm looking for someone who's a bit listless who's got daddy issues who likes baseball Oh, don't worry, we got the film for you. Bang, here it is. And that's not a a denigrating uh, negative comment. It's just like, that's what you're looking for. In the same way, like, I'm I'm kind of young and restless and a bit 
not sure what to do and I want an adventure. Bang, Star Wars, get the fuck out of my face. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there are things there for you. I feel that everything's going to shit and I, I feel like I can't do anything to solve it because I'm just one small person. Bang, Lord of the Rings, what's your problem? And, and you know, there are, there are things you can cater to people to say, I'm, I'm talking about film good movies, I'm feeling bad and I have this ailment, I have this problem, how can you fix it? Here, watch Lady Macbeth. <laughs> what, what was I supposed to feel? Gratitude too many horses? Lady Macbeth will sort you right out. <laughs> so yeah, feel the dreams again. Like, remember the Titans, like Mamma Mia and Blues Brothers, I think are the clear-cut, easy ones. Like, mm. yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I imagine, like, I, I think instead of Field the dreams, remember the Titans, I would pick something like Cool Runnings. It's something that always would spring yeah. to mind. Of, yeah, like, I get that. Oh, Rocky's another it, one. Yeah, yeah. But like, when it was time for like oh it's the last english lesson of the year at school what we're gonna do let's Mm. all watch a film (laughs) yay what's inoffensive and everyone's gonna be happy with it cool runnings yay do you want to know what my um end of term films were when i was in requiem for a dream no these weren't my choices they were just what everyone had to bring on i was about maybe like eight or nine years old we watched because a kid called james in our school brought him in Police Academy 5 Assignment Miami Beach, <laughs> which was bad. Police Academy 5. Yep. We don't, most of us hadn't seen a Police Academy film at that point. No shit, you're nine <laughs> years old. And Mannequin. God. What? What? It, it was... It, the, the early 90s were a different time. Um, but yeah, I was uh, educated in a lot of things. By the Mannequin is the bad. one where... Kim Cattrall comes to life as a real-life mannequin, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. And she's a former Most... Egyptian princess. That is what? also correct. Yeah, oh, that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Night in the Museum. Something Zero. tying into the fucking mummy or something. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the reincarnation and Imhotep just shows up. <laughs> what the fuck? I think Kim Peele did Egyptian. a really good... Kim Peele did a really good sketch recently about, well, I said recently, it was a while ago, about Gremlins 2 brainstorming. And it's like, uh, who's this studio guy? It's like, oh, it's the, this guy from, um, from Mannequin. <laughs> and he's so 80s, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I don't recommend either Mannequin or Police Academy 5. Feel good or otherwise. The last one on the list is a, another generational one, I think. And in terms of it's, it was one of the earlier ones that showed off this group of people in a very funny, irreverent way, but also in a very heartfelt and sincere way because Tina Fey was working on it so strongly. And that's Mean Girls. And I know so many people who say, if you say, I haven't seen Mean Girls, it's like, why haven't you seen Mean Girls? It's brilliant. Mm. It's like, oh, it's, no, it's a girl's film. It's like, fuck off. Watch that. That seems to be the immediate. I had that experience with an ex-girlfriend uh, of mine. And I have since seen it about a hundred times. Yeah. It's great when we first got together, I'd never seen Mean Girls. By the end of the relationship, I'd seen Mean Girls to the point where I can probably quote it word for word. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a really, it's a really unusual one in a lot of ways. And I think it comes down to kind of, uh, again, associations of like when people watched it and stuff like that. And like you say, kind of a really good portrait of a particular age group. Um, mm. and, and a particular generational kind of thing because it's a really like emotionally complex film like it doesn't mm-hmm. really have kind of particularly easy answers to any problems like that are you know in the same way that to point at you know the sports films it's like well if i can just win this one thing then yes, everything will be yes. all right there's whereas, a very clear goal in mind with yes. yeah whereas me girls yeah. is like yeah like you just have to kind of 
remember that everyone's going through different stuff and like try and show a bit more empathy and understanding it's like wow that's like quite a lot to kind of take on mm. for you know a film you know even even uh, for for a teen comedy for you know and for a feel good film mm. you, you know you kind of cut, obviously things work out at the end but like you know, the main character is a dick for kind of a, a significant portion of it. Mean Girls is basically maturity will catch up with you. And when it does, you'll all feel better. Yeah. But until then, <laughs> you just have to sort of muscle through it. And to be fair, that is the best thing. So, and it's what adults always say to kids mm. in high school. It won't matter. It'll be all right. But it's the most important thing to you in that moment. And this is just a way of presenting that in a more relatable fashion, mm. saying like, kid, I know, I understand. And it's the same thing John Hughes sort of did in the 80s. Like, I know this is the most important thing to you, so we'll make it the most important thing full stop. But ultimately, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll probably work out fine. And that's that's sometimes all you need from a feel-good film. Just like someone to say, yeah, yeah, it'll be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> should, we, should we quickly whip through some of our own personal mm. selections? Yeah. Definitely. So I'll kick things off with, as I mentioned, this is going to be one that is very much a nostalgia one for me. And this is a film I've seen millions of times at this point, And I basically know word for word. And... I don't think it's aged well because it has the N-word in it. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling on the collar, yikes kind of moment. But at the time when I was, what, 14 or 15, this is the greatest thing that was invented <laughs> and <laughs> that formed my opinion for the rest of my life, basically. <laughs> I'm talking about Shaun of the Dead. That film is so funny to me. It's so a, a part of my teenage like film viewing experience and things like yeah. that. And I think it is wholly shaped by when I saw it and how old I was when I saw it. Mm. Because if I feel if I saw it as a nearly 30 year old now, I'd be like, Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, that was my exact opinion. Cause it was 2004, five. Yeah. Four. I was, I was, I was 14. So yeah, see, I was go. 20 and I <laughs> enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't as clever as spaced. And I know you shouldn't do these sort of comparisons, but I was like, mm. I saw Shaun of the Dead first, then saw Spaced, I think. Oh, okay. So, there you go. And I thought, yeah, this is, and the thing is, that's how I've been with a lot of Edgar Wright stuff. I've been like, yeah, this is, uh, I can see why this is good. I can see why this is enjoyed. Mm. And I do enjoy a lot of Shaun of the Dead, especially, but I had a lot of grumps about it. And the mm. older I get, the more frustrated I get with it. Mm, yeah. I remember, I remember thinking Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and Nick Frost are like the three funniest people in the world. <laughs> when I was 14, that's what 14-year-old yeah, Jack thought. Right. Like, oh my God, Edgar Wright is now my favourite director ever. Oh, how times have changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking hell. And I think that's a very apropos pick for, for us as a group of people as well, because it's the kind of film where not only can you watch it and enjoy it, you can also, uh, and again, this is a very kind of generational thing uh, that people younger, significantly younger than us probably will, would be like, what the fuck are you talking mm. about? You mm. can put on the DVD commentary oh, with yes. everybody just hanging out. With and Pagan Frost, yeah. yeah. We talked about this in the Thing episode, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, How much fun DVD commentaries can be. Exactly. And, and, uh, and you know, you get that, that kind of parasocial thing of like, you know, I'm just hanging out with all the, the you know, the people. It's like... I'm, I'm best mates with Simon Pegg. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how people feel listening to our own commentaries on yeah. patreon we're like oh exactly, it's like yeah. being the, i think it wasn't mike who put a picture up of some kid sitting next to a sign of people who are like like and like ice cream ever having yeah. a great time and you're sitting next to them going hey it's like you're not in the conversation but you feel like you're in the conversation <laughs> think it's how podcasts work in that's a lot podcasts of in general, general isn't yeah. it yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, before we go too far as well shamba dead is a good example because it speaks to you at a certain age and that never leaves you i think much like that list by the way we just 
real enough for the public. Also dictates again about the nature of being vocal because there's not a great deal of diversity to it. And even to our own lists, not a great old diversity to mm. things. And I think the truth is sometimes you see yourself, like Jack, 14-year-old, seeing these people who are like, you know, in dead-end jobs they hate, but they're like, oh, I just want to play video games. That kind of motion in my day, you project and see yourself. So for example, with other people of different ethnicities, genders, whatever it's going to be, you're going to find things like, why does this make you feel good? Because I feel fucking seen in a good way. Mm. And... <laughs> In a strange way, Sean of the My Dead. My people is there, those people, and yeah, yeah. It's the, imagine like, it works hey. if you're, if you're like, say you're in your first retail job as well, because you're going yeah, to yeah. work in this retail job and stuff. I didn't have a concept of that, but I did have a concept of like, I want to sit around eating Cornettos and playing video games. <laughs> I, I was yeah. 20 when I saw Sean of the Dead, and at the same time, I first saw Clerks, and Clerks spoke to me a little bit more because it was a bit more gritty, a bit more grungy of what I was trying to do my own filmmaking at the time, which was very, very, very like, you know, camcorder sort of shit. And I thought, oh, and then same thing. I wouldn't put on my list now because I'm like, oh no, things have changed. <laughs> yeah, like Cler Clerks would be pretty high on my list, but yeah. that film has not aged well. Mm. No, Lord. and I think that's fair. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. A, films don't always, you, you do go back and you change and it doesn't because it's a standard, like a time capsule piece. Yeah. But still, I think Shaun of the Dead makes complete sense. And for, without being in any way detrimental or insulting, it makes sense for you as well. Because it How helps describe rude. who you are. <laughs> How very dare you, sir. How about one from you, Matt? Okay, I'll go with... Let's go with the weeby one. The weeaboo one. So I had a lot of thoughts about Jurassic Park and Shawshank Redemption and all sorts of things. And I my two picks are a bit of a weird one because the nature of Feel Good, neither of them really have a happy ending. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's going against what I just fucking said in the whole description. Um, so it's a very ambiguous ending to this one, which I won't spoil because I genuinely think people should go and watch it. It is a 2016 film, did come out until 2017 in Britain, uh, by uh, Makoto Shinkai called Your Name. And Your Name was fucking huge when it came out. Not really in Japan, but uh, sorry, not really outside of Japan, I should say. Yeah. Um, because it, it won a bunch of awards and stuff. It was it winning like best crazy. animation of the year and became, like <clears throat> critics things. It was like yeah. fourth highest grossing film of all time at the time and the highest right. grossing animated film of all time in Japan and all this kind Spirited of Spirited Away is still shit. Japan's most successful film in that regard. Mm. This one is just behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It won, it, it made 10% of all the year's box office. Holy shit. <laughs> what in, in what Japan. does that even mean? That's insane. But I can completely understand why. Because two factors. So first of all, it's a semi-fantasy story, and it's mm. so very simple. It's based on these things are based on a light novel somewhere in Japan, and it's about a girl called Mitsu, uh, Mitsuha, and she lives in Itomori, a sort of regional, sort of uh, a rural area, and a boy called Taki who lives in Tokyo. And they're both teenagers, disenfranchised with their own lives, and frustrated bits and pieces, and blah blah blah. And randomly, no explanation, they switch bodies but they don't know anything about each other. And they do the classic vice versa, Freaky Friday kind of thing of just like, I'll just carry on then. <laughs> and there's a scene where they're like, um, you know, it doesn't translate at all. But when Tucky is with his friends, he's got this part-time job in Tokyo and he's at school and he's like, Watashiwa. And they go, huh? Watashiwa. Huh? Which are all ways of saying I am. Um, and they're like, wait, what? And the equivalent is basically saying like, I'm, I am 
me it's like, it's yo. like local dialects right it like, is entirely yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like just you know and the, the the his friends are like the fuck are you doing and she's obviously in his body just sort of piloting as it were just like um uh do you mean i don't know what we say here <laughs> and it's that kind of thing but equally at the same time it's teenage bodies it's like okay i will not do anything i will not do anything it's fine and then it cuts to the, the girl's sister coming to the room and he, she's just like groping her why are you touching your boobs <laughs> And he's like, leave me alone. Um, but then, and so it's a very simple story to start with. And they like write little notes to each other. It's like, well, you, were, you did my schoolwork. What the fuck is wrong with this? Like, you need to tidy up your writing, that kind of shit. And they're having a little playful. It gets very deep very quickly. And then they find out that uh, they're going to find, go and see each other. She says, oh, you should come to Tokyo. I said, I will. I will meet each other. It'd be brilliant. Because they can't control when they go back and forth. And then for some reason, they just don't meet up. And it's like, I don't understand. And then... He goes to her town and finds out it was completely wiped out when an asteroid hit and they're all dead. And it's like, wait, wait, what? And then you realize there's actually a time dilation. They're separated by three years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I need to save and, her. I need to tell her. And there's that amazing moment where they stand on the ridge of the asteroid crater, mm. like in front of each other and they communicate. And then one oh, of them slowly fades and yeah. it's realized like that's the time jump moment. It like, is... Oh. And, and this is the key thing. It's beautifully stole storytelling and beautifully taught story in, in general. Also has that Japanese repression of, I just want to say I love you, but I can't. So it's that frustration, like, like the fucking red shoes or some shit like that. It's you just want to urge, like, just for God's sake, say it. But at the same time, and the other thing about the nature of it being beautiful, this, the animation is absolutely mm. gut-punchingly fucking stunning. It is genuinely gorgeous. And I think that carries it infinitely so for me it's a feel-good film not because of the because it's a, it's a very emotionally charged film um it, it's it's it, I, I, I think it's very much designed to make you cry more than it's make you make you laugh or, or or smile and the ending as well is like so oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck i don't i don't know what this means oh please please that kind of situation where you're just urging a center closure and then credits and you're like fuck but i think and this will be a pattern for me. I think the craft makes me feel good. The level yeah. of work that's gone into it, the degree of skill on display, it makes me feel good because it shows me the medium that cinema can be and what films can be to tell stories. So I think that to me is a real swell in my chest sort of moment of like, yes, this is the kind of art. Sometimes like, oh, I'm kind of maybe getting into like animated films. Shall I watch like a Pixar? Like, shut up, shut up, shut up. What's your name? <laughs> and that's a bit of a hype thing because obviously I'd say maybe like you know there are better films technically but it's like no 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 this is some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen it's like it animates rain perfectly I love it that kind of thing so that, that would be my 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 first pick Tim so my first pick is very much one where I associate it with a particular moment of my life which is Forgetting Sarah Marshall mm. which I watched I wouldn't say it wasn't like I watched it on loop or anything like that. I didn't get that obsessive, mm. but I watched it quite a lot after a uh, a significant breakup. And it's a kind of film. It's not it's not one of my favorite films, but it fits mm. into a model that a lot of my favorite films do, which is there's no real bad guys in it. Yes, that's fair. It's just, just people. There's just there's just people, um, <laughs> you know, and some of them are more kind of assholey than others. But you can kind of understand where everyone's coming from uh, emotionally. Obviously, it's a very funny film. Like, you've got mm. Jason Segel, you've got Paul Rudd, you've got Mila puppets. Kunis. And, yeah, you've got... You, it's got puppets in it. It's got full frontal <laughs> male nudity. What more do you want? 
both of my picks are very much those kind of you know and we talked about how s- for some people they want the emotional roller coaster they want the lows that then end on the highs whereas my picks are very much just like i kind of just want to slip into a comfortable bath of a film mm. yeah mm. not necessarily have to think a great deal about it and it can not not that i want it as something that is just on in the background and i'm you know on my phone kind of thing i want something that engages me but i i want something that and again it's kind of a little bit of an escapism where it's like you know the problems the people in these films face aren't like huge earth-shaking films <coughs> uh, mm-hmm. aren't huge earth-shaking problems you know it's it's it would be nice to kind of escape into that world where things are a little bit easier you know and you can just take off to hawaii uh to try and solve your problems and yeah. bill hader's your stepbrother and it's it's you know it's great <laughs> um uh and <clears throat> yeah it's it's just a film that i have um a lot of associations of just kind of like watching it and just being like yeah i'm gonna be okay yeah i think i think that is sometimes that reassurance is is all that matters. Complete sidetrack here. Pseudo sequel spin-off. Get into the Greek. I kind of prefer that to creating Sarah Marshall personally. I wow. don't know why, but I do. As just as a structural film. I've not film. seen the second one. I, I think I've only seen that once, and I don't really yeah. remember it. So that's fair. Uh, for getting Sarah Marshall, I, I, I completely see again where you're coming from. I think mm. it's the a film finds you at the right moment, and you're like, you'll be with me for a very long time. Now. Mm. My second pick is one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. It's a film I think I mentioned a few times on the show before, and it's probably my most rewatched film since it came out. Because it's very recent. It's only a couple of years old. Mm. Talk about my absolute jam, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, we talk about diversity and being seen and stuff. This is a very important movie for a lot of people. Especially for me as a nearly 30-year-old white guy. (laughs) (laughs) True. I'm sure it has a similar and even way more impactful sure, of you course, know, course. effect on, on certain younger viewers and, and certain people seeing Miles Morales finally represented and fe- seeing Spider-Gwen finally represented as a guy who did a Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales podcast for a couple mm. of years. <laughs> that was a huge moment for me. And the, the fact that we, we kind of stopped the podcast before this film came out absolutely just broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> so that would have been a nice little like victory lap. But seeing two of my favorite comic book characters on screen together, yeah, no less, in, in the same time, and it just being, speaking of your name, like one of the best looking films I've ever yeah. seen. It has more style than probably anything I've ever seen. You've always got the different spider characters with their different specific art styles, as mm. well as the incredible like soundtrack influenced Miles bouncing around the city and mm. all this kind of stuff. And just like, yeah, it's it's incredible to look at the acting and soundtracks of both absolutely phenomenal and it's a brilliant kind of origin story for one of my favorite comic book characters and does an amazing job of introducing other characters that feel like they would need an origin story but then they literally make that joke and they're like nope here's 10 seconds <laughs> and then you get john mulaney as spider ham and i'm a happy boy <coughs> <laughs> I, I love that film and it just yeah it has its tragic moments don't go wrong like oh yeah spoiler, spoiler alert Spider-Man dies in it, yeah. but <laughs> there's other Spider-Men, so everything's fine. <laughs> well, there's also familial stuff as well, like in terms of like you know the the family dynamic and you know with with, oh, with again, Jefferson with, and Aaron and yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's not a cakewalk, but that's kind of the point. It's not meant. It's a tragedy and overcoming it sort of thing, but also 
growing and learning and blah, 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 as well as the, the high school thing as well on top of all that shit. I completely understand that one. And if you if you want to isolate just down to feel good moments, like it is hard to beat the what's up danger moment in that film. Yeah, oh, like absolutely. that is a real like just <laughs> pump the air moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, the crafting on display is is astounding. And as you say about the, if you you know not just the narrative, not just the wish fulfillment or the superior side of it, or there's the fun aspect of how it's shot, but the 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 innovation the ingenuity that went into the animation mm. genius just like well in a film you'd have this you'd have like just you know in about a focus how do we do this on a 2d background with this 3d thing it's like well we've gone for a very pop arty sort of style we'll just you know do a lens aberration we'll do all these kind of things we separate the backgrounds like wait what and if you look at the things like the the level they've done into the like you know, oh, we'll just take the two layers and separate them slightly. Like mm. what? Mm. That's, that's that's mad genius. How did we never think of doing this? The attention um, to detail is insane. Yeah, in a yeah. hundred years of movie making, it's yeah. I, that, so I can understand even on that level why it would make you feel good about yourself or films or anything. <laughs> yeah. My second choice is animated again. I got two animated films. Nice. This one is by uh, director Tom Moore. <laughs> Well, that's where you're wrong, Tim. <laughs> this time, I'm going Irish as fuck. Um, <laughs> no, uh, this is a Tom Moore film. Tom Moore's done two films, um, Secret of the Kells and Song of the Sea. Uh, the latter is one I'm actually picking for this particular thing. Um, and both received Oscar nominations for Best Animated Feature, which I think is just an amazing fucking achievement. Um, so, yeah, the Irish film industry unlike the British film industry, is mostly uh, a bit of a collaborative thing. So what you'll say is, oh, it's an Irish film, with funding and support from Belgium, Denmark, France, and Luxembourg. Because um, <laughs> that's how the film industry works. We talk about like you know the, the infinite amount of money that uh, Your Name made and the, the huge accolades of like Spider-Man. This one's just very modest. Mm. But it is... It's brilliant. It's so good. Song of the Sea is the story about a guy, a boy, sorry, who lives in West Ireland, and it it does the Disney thing. It starts on utter fucking tragedy. Brendan Gleeson plays Connor, a lighthouse keeper, and he lives on a little island with his son Ben and his 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 daughter Saoirse. Uh, but he has a wife named Brona, and she disappears basically one night, and all that's left is this little girl Saoirse. And it's this beautiful moment of of animation where where the little boy. Ben is so confused and he the, the dad just quietly says this is this is your sister meet Saoirse and it's like what's happening and where the fuck is my mum and so there's this you know and, and what's happened you jump ahead to he's like a little boy he must be like 11 12 years old and the dad is just broken Saoirse just doesn't talk and Ben is a hostile little boy who lashes out at everything, obviously. He's, he's a nice kid, but you know, yeah. Anyway, the, the, the Gran decides that they shouldn't be living in, in the west of Ireland. It's very dangerous. So she takes him all the way to Dublin, to the city, and he doesn't like it. And so he does his homeward bound thing and just runs off home. Hmm. The paranormal thing comes in because it does, deals with so much Irish folklore and legend. Because when they escape the Granny's house, they meet these fairies... Uh, the Dean is she, and they believe that 
a seersheet is a selkie, basically a seal, and a wish, a, a, a magical yeah. folklore seal. Yeah, you, you might recognise it from Fantastic Beasts. In fact, they have a weird, fucked up version of a selkie in that. Yeah, I don't. I don't Made out version. of seaweed. I don't like that version. Um, I I like the interesting version that under the skin is about that. It's not just an alien; it's a selkie that uh, Scarlett Johansson's playing. But we'll get to him. Not a feel good movie. No, that's fair. That nothing about that movie is feel good. <laughs> under the skin, movie. not a feel no. good movie. Um. So the fairies believe that um, that the Selkie can sing a song and take them all back to Tirnanog. Um, so the idea that all the fairies are being turned to stone because they're in this world, but the Selkie singing will actually bring them back, but she's a mute, obviously. Something. So this boy who resents his sister has to take her home and things protect her and stuff like that, and there's a big old fucking owl witch who steals it. It's just... It's the kind of thing that would be a, a, like how a lot of people see never-ending story, I imagine. There's so much hyper... Or even like, even like Dark Crystal, some of that, they know, like a Henson production. Mm. There's so much weird, dark Celtic mythology going on, but it's a, a story of a, of a boy trying to protect his sister. And spoilers, I guess, she does sing the song and it releases all the, all the spirits and things, including this giant and so on and so forth. And the song is beautiful. I mean, Jack mentioned about musical cues evoking certain emotions. It is wonderful because the animation's beautiful, full stop. The songs are really good. They're very, very Irish. It's a very, very uh, specific style and things. A lot of Celtic trad going on there. But um, it's it's just crushingly nice. And there's scenes with Shana Keen telling a story and things like that. And it's it's all it's all things that I know basically. And and without being incredibly like, oh, I see where you got this map. There's like it's clearly West Ireland. It's clearly like Sligo, uh, where my family's from. And there's like you'd see a Ben Bulb in the mountain <laughs> in the background going. Ha, 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 um but um but it is it's just crushingly good and the thing is it's a beautiful film much of the same way that obviously i have no connection to japanese culture in that way but i can still understand all the things about mitsuha being a, a, a shrine maiden what she does for her stuff and the, you know all the, all the cultural aspects the same thing here you don't have to be irish to appreciate this movie it's also a very unique artistic style carried over from the secret Kells, where it looks like I don't know how to describe it really, but it's a hyper stylized thing. It's like, how can you imagine describing all Celtic art into these, even the way the people are presenting these, these immensely interesting curves and spirals and things like that. It's, it's, it's just very unique in its, in its art style. So again, my, me liking the craft, for example. Um, but yeah, it's just a touchingly simple story. And, but with a little bit of sort of interesting mysticism and, and paranormal sort of stuff about the idea of, connecting with family, et cetera, et cetera. The base notes are really easy to, to, to sort of get with because it's, it's just a, you know, it's a family film in that regard. But yeah, I like it a lot and I think it's massively underrated. I think, as always, if, you, if any of the films we discussed on our personal list you haven't seen, go watch a trailer because I think all the trailers for mm. these will, will be quite representative, shall we say. And you'd, you'd understand roughly what we're talking about. Like, oh, I see. Spider-Man has that really banging sort of soundtrack and it matches it up perfectly with the visuals mm. and the irreverent jokes and things in forgetting sarah marshall and just the art style of your name in song of the sea for example you can see that very quickly and get a, get a snapshot idea of it but yeah i love it that's all you need to know makes me feel good it's very high on my to watch list i've been to watch it for a while yeah, mm. yeah i need to get around to that mm. again i don't think it necessarily ends very well in, you know, in the sense that not it's many like, things do in ireland matthew I don't <laughs> know that. that's 
painfully accurate. It's like, <laughs> sing an upbeat song, and now we're going to stop for a minute and have a song of an old lady singing about the troubles. Um, but no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the classic, like, oh, I can't wait for this to have a great happy ending. It's like, you do know where this is going, right? It's like, yeah, it's going to... No, 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 I don't, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready. That kind of shit. That, that, but the way that kind of makes me, sorrow makes me feel good. <laughs> it mean, reminds me of my life. So Tim, what's your sorrowful finale? <laughs> my somber, muted finale uh, is a dumb as shit action film. <laughs> uh, I, I, I genuinely actually love this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my final pick is uh, Welcome to the Jungle, a.k.a. The Rundown for American uh, viewers. <laughs> the Rundown. Fuck off. What a terrible tale. Which is, uh, for people who are unfamiliar, it is basically, it's kind of The Rock's first proper starring role as an action hero. Yeah, Um He'd been in films before. Did you not see The Scorpion King? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, he probably, Scorpion King probably predates it. But this... Uh, Might do. This, uh, like, this film literally starts a, with Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of passing the torch to him. Like, there's an, uh, yeah. a moment where the literally. two actors walk yeah. past each other and Schwarzenegger looks at him and says, has fun. Um, and... And it's Have fun being the action star of the 2000s. Yeah, I will, yeah. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's The Rock as um, I forget what the kind of uh, euphemism they use is, but he's basically like a, a kind of uh, a bounty hunter for a kind of crime lord. Uh, type the guy. euphemism they use is retrieval expert. There we I go. Think we'll yeah. He's kind of a yeah bounty hunter kind of specialized Delivery henchman. Boy. Yeah, uh, who goes down to South America to retrieve the son of this crime boss who is played by Sean William Scott, the son, not the crime boss, <laughs> <laughs> and gets involved with a uh, a rebellion, uh, a rebel movement against a, uh, a gold mining tyrant down there played by Christopher Walken. Um, so good. Played wonderfully by Christopher Walken. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So quotable, so um, ridiculous. And it's, it's, I mean, it's just a ridiculous action film, but it's a very well-crafted action film. Uh, Peter Berg directs it. Um, and mm. it's, the characters are, are kind of all incredibly likeable. The action is very polished um, and well-staged. Again, it is the kind of film that I can kind of, I can put on and I will always enjoy it. But uh, it, it's it's certainly not what you would just call a challenging film. <laughs> but it, it it's something that I will it will never fail to put a smile on my face. Like if I've had a kind of shitty day, and I'm like, oh, I just you know I want something to kind of take my mind off of stuff, and I want to know that I'll enjoy it, and I don't want to spend twenty minutes browsing through Netflix menu, like <laughs> trying to work out what yeah. I want. To, like, oh, do I want to watch something that I haven't seen before? And I think, you know, it's going to take some kind of cognitive load to it. It's like, no, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to stick on Welcome to the Jungle and I'm just going to watch The Rock beat ass and I'm going to watch Sean William Scott be kind of funny and... Get his ass beat. Get, get his ass handed to him when he's being... Like, uh, it's, it's, it's that very, uh, you know... I, I find him funny in small doses, and it's good to know that in this film, whenever he gets out of line, The Rock will just kind of, like, beat his ass. Literally. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it's it's just... Uh, it's a very kind of pure popcorn enjoyment for me. Um, and uh, I think sometimes uh, you just want that 
uncomplicated and and uh, i realized you know going back to the start i was kind of like who the fuck picks deadpool as their feel-good movie and a lot of people <sighs> might be like who the fuck picks welcome to the jungle as their feel-good movie well, that was my reaction when you picked it <laughs> yeah. I was like wait 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 hold on hold, whoa 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 <laughs> you do mean the one with the rock from the mid-2000s yeah. right like, yeah i was like the one with sean william scott because like, I always forget, th- th- I saw this and is it Walking Tall? Yes. Oh, yeah. The one he did, and they did them within like a year of each other. Mm, and he was on the roll. They yeah. are just the same film in my brain sometimes. Yeah, Walking Tall has Johnny, fucking not. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville, yes. Uh, and yes. it's based on a true story of like a real arsehole of a guy. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yes, it whereas, is. Whereas this... And it's a remake of a 70s film as yes, well. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Whereas... I think everything you need to know about Tim in terms of his previous pictures and things, can sometimes be summed up in Welcome to the Jungle, um, where there are the moments, like, for example, where... Um, don't give me that look, Jack. Oh, wait, where the sense. fuck are you going with this, Dogden? There'll, there'll be sentences that Tim makes and you can think, ah, Welcome to the Jungle, because there'll be things like <laughs> the signposting where you've got, like, the rock saying, I don't use guns. And then, oh, oh, oh why is that? If I do, bad things happen. And everyone goes like, all right, what the fuck ever? And I know inside Tim's thinking, oh, I can't (laughs) wait to see him use guns and wreck shop. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) He's telling what's going to happen. And the bad guy is partly relatable, but so entertaining and how ridiculously wonderful he is. And Rosario Dawson is a fantastic uh, female support because she's so competent in it. And it's satisfying and uplifting. And I, I, I think, yeah, it's one of those things that, personality-wise, you go, yeah, I can see why Tim likes this. Yeah. Just, there's, there's, I, I think every film should have a bit where Ewan Bremner marches into town and plays the bagpipes, quotes poetry, and then unleashes a bull stampede. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me a Scotsman playing an Irishman. My horn! I never love it! I mean, I, I was amazed it wasn't subtitled. Yeah. Not because, I, again, it's because it, it's, it's like... Bremner being 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 obviously uh, Scottish, and then having the the very very strong Northern Ireland accent. Is he quoting like Bible verse or some shit? Like that? I feel like he might be like, yeah. I heard that sound of an angel laying on the bells, and you shall know the river. And then he does end it with a boom shakalaka. Yeah. So obviously he's not. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, again, I think, and again, the musical cues are really fun. And so the, I think it's 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 the it's the a really good time capsule piece as well of. 9-11 has happened. Everything is kind of fucked up in America. They want distraction. They want to feel good. They want something that's simple. American goes in, does the stuff, punches a bad guy, shoots a load of guns, gets out, goes and builds his restaurant because he just wants to settle down. And it's not yet got to the financial crisis. We can have that <laughs> kind of, fuck it, this seems quite fun, kind of storytelling. You know, there's, there's a the market for it before a couple of years later, the road comes out. Yeah. Um, we're like, oh, <laughs> our future. So yes, again, I think I think as you said, Tim, with Deadpool and 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 actually as Jack said, with the action comedy thing, it's the what action comedy speaks to you, mm. and I think there's something you can go like, ah, oh, I kind of, I kind of don't have the head to watch a really fucking shitty sequel that I need to reach research for the for the next season, and I kind of don't want to watch this highbrow film that I know I really should watch and I really enjoy. I, I kind of want to watch basically good trash. Mm. And this seems fun. I'll go with yep. that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, the the um, inner raccoon in me uh, is is always just looking for kind of quality trash. <laughs> <laughs>
just like oh yeah like this 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 is a really good bit of like discarded chicken bone <laughs> what a beautiful morsel of shit yeah <laughs> i mean in the same way some things that make people feel good i mean i go in the before times the long long ago before when the heidi high scrapers i would go around to stuart's house stuart ashen and we watch films they're all they're all dead to us now there's no films anymore no but um we go with my wife and his girlfriend and a few friends and we, we, we'd watch basically the worst fucking films we can um and uh, i mean, I always bring like neil breen for example his his movies because we watch those things and we have a good time watching them we feel good mostly because a lot of us are creatives and think well thank fuck we don't make this god-awful yeah. shit <laughs> but equally because it's so so trashy like robot jocks and stuff like that mm. it's, it's so much like crap you can go i mean the same way people like I actually disagree with this particular example, but people like The Room, for example, mm. um, you can have a great time, feel good watching it because it's so stupid and mm. so dumb, even though nothing about that film is trying to be funny. It's trying to be serious. When, when we were talking, when we mentioned earlier about the, you guys, the nightmare of going to kind of a sing-along showing or whatever, oh. I went to a, like, a room viewing a, a cinema where everyone was oh, just right. like yeah, yeah. yelling out at the screen and was that cinema city it was yeah. yeah i was there with you yes but not next to you i was in the same room yes yeah. <laughs> throwing um, spoons and throwing shit. spoons and like every time there's a panning shot of the golden gate bridge everyone yells out meanwhile in san francisco, in san francisco. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and the thing is, is that kind of thing can heighten the experience because i've seen the room and i hated it mm. and i didn't understand the appeal because like why do people enjoy this piece of shit in that kind of collective environment, I kind of got the 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 theatre of it, mm. but I would never want to go see it ever again. <laughs> Seeing it like that once, it was like, oh, that was an experience that I don't particularly want to ever have with any film I'd actually enjoy seeing. Uh, oh, uh, Tim, mm. was that the film that was introduced by Graham Linehan? By yes, uh, terrible, terrible turf. Mm. Uh, Graham Linehan. Yeah, yeah. Linehan. different times, different times. Yeah. So yeah, feel good movies again. Very hard to actually classify when you break it down because what should be, I mean, any reductive statement like if you could imagine like a. A talk show host or a early morning, you know, good morning Britain, good morning America, and things like, oh, it's a real good feel good movie. It's like, right, do, what are you talking about? But for for uncomplicated purposes, it's a kind of classification that people can actually genuinely latch on to because very few people don't want to feel good at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> people like only, to feel nice. <laughs> yeah, the only real genuine, um, how can you put this? Um, unabashed feel-good movies are a porn mm. um, it's like we're gonna make you feel good literally it's like oh I'm, I must just feel uncomfortable and I'm questioning all my life choices um, <laughs> but I, I think it's a very difficult one but at the end of the day a bit of pondering you can come up with some arguments and it, it's so easy to say as we've said even at the start this one's why we want to put the public forum and just saying things like people pick this people are fucking idiots why would you pick that and then it's like you know action comedies and films that haven't aged too well and films with sad endings you're like okay okay yeah i mean obviously everyone's got an exception to the rule because that's just that's just the nature of it so we would be very interested to hear your own personal thoughts and mm. examples i think people are going to have some really interesting ones i think there's going to be lots of ones that people saying oh i just i absolutely adore insert film here it's like that's a classic tragedy what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah but it's it it made me feel something and i feel good about that so, all right fine <laughs> I saw it at the right time in my life, that kind of thing. Yes. And I think a lot of the, just the ones where you're just like, huh, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it's, it's going to be the elevation of things that are very, very niche mm. that's going to surprise most people. It's like, 
Really? I've never heard of that film before. Oh, it's 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 terrible. Yeah. But I like it. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, get in touch. Hit us up on social media. We are sequelizers on basically everything, so there's no excuse. If you can see the title of the episode, you can find us on social media. Easy. It's also sequelizers at gmail.com is the email address. If you want to send longer form things, we'll have a QA and a episode coming up. So feel free to send in some questions if you want us to answer them on the show. That's another way of getting in contact with us. And you can also get us on the Discord, which you can find pinned at the top of our Twitter profile, or you can go to sequelizers.com and follow the link at the top of the page and uh, get access there and come and have a chat with us about various films, latest episodes, if you want to get weeby with Matt and talk about anime, you can do that. <laughs> if you want to get music recommendations, you can talk about video games. You can talk about lots of political discussion. <laughs> That's the most probably the bit. most active channel of the whole thing is the politics page, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a really good community. We're we won't bite. We promise. It's very nice and friendly, and everybody's uh, yeah, everybody's really cool. So if you want to come and speak to the three of us and meet some fellow listeners and hang out with them as well. Come and join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, if you feel like throwing us a few uh, dollar pounds to support feel us. Feel good monies, if you will. So, yeah, if, if we've made you feel good enough to spend some money on us, there's a couple of ways you can support us. You can go to sequelizers.com and uh, go to our store where we have T-shirts and prints uh, by the amazing John Scarrett available to buy mm. that, uh, yeah, that will look wonderful up on your wall. Uh, They'll make you feel... Good. Yes. Good. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash sequelizers where uh, you can support us at various different levels and get access to benefits like uh, things like ad-free episodes, which uh, we're in the interseason, so that doesn't really apply at the moment. But once we're back into a regular <laughs> season, ad-free episodes, uh, you can get early access to episodes. You can vote on topics uh, uh, every season. You can get access to our wealth of additional content bonus episodes bonus uh, outtakes and just all kinds of varieties of nonsense you mentioned some movie commentaries as well we've some, done a, yeah, we've done a handful of those as well um, there'll be whole episodes as well because we're in the interseason stuff so there'll be like extra additional discussions about other things yep. exactly so yeah so um, we appreciate all of our patrons if you feel like you can afford to support us then we uh, would deeply deeply appreciate you as well and speaking of patrons I'd like to thank the lovely and delightful executive producers, Jonathan Firth-Clark, Stuart Main, and last but not least, Mike Salvia. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up for this week. We'll be back next week with more interseason goodness. See you then. Thanks for listening. Feel good, feel good. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, 
We are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.